This is John and Robin Boyles of Celebrate Libraries with a New Ways to Dream podcast. Today we're speaking with Nick Weber, Library Director of Woodstock Public Library in Woodstock, Illinois. Uh, Nick, thank you very much for taking the time to speak with us today. Uh, happy to do it. Looking forward to it. I wanted to start off with um, finding out a little bit of, about Woodstock for the uh, listeners and then uh, talk about you and your library career and the library itself. I'm wondering if you could uh, describe Woodstock, its population, size, uh, a little bit about this area of Illinois. Sure. Uh, Woodstock currently uh, is 25,000, just over 25,000 people in the city. Um, The school district for Woodstock services an area outside of that in addition to the city, so it covers uh, Alto Wonder Lake, Uh, I don't know the exact size of the geographic thing, but the, the population winds up, it adds another 12,000, 13,000. So there's, you know, 38,000-ish of folks in the area that kind of call Woodstock their, their home base, I suppose you would say. Um, it's right smack in the middle of McHenry County. It's the uh, governmental hub of McHenry County. The county seat is here, the courthouse, and most of the governmental offices are in, uh, in Woodstock, and that's sort of been its claim to fame since its founding. In fact, that's why it was founded in the first place, was uh, enterprising pioneer decided to establish a community right in the middle of the county as the county was about to be established in the hopes of, of making it the county seat, and, and it was chosen as the county seat and has been ever since, so that goes all the way back to 1844. Um, it's changed a little bit over the time, obviously, and uh, but that's that's always been the county seat. That's why we have the old courthouse here, which mm-hmm. is a uh, national historic um, building, as is the opera house here. And it's also why we have the county complex out on 47 on the north side of town. You mentioned the uh, chain of lakes before we started uh, recording. Is that um, is that the area just to your um, northeast? Just to your northeast, with the Fox River coming through, and yep. some of those lakes. It's called the chain of lakes. Yep. You're kind of, uh, I noticed a lot of, when we were driving in from southeast Wisconsin, I noticed a lot of uh, corn. Uh, is, it, is it sort of a agricultural area once you, you get out of yeah. Woodstock proper? Yeah. It's primarily agriculture to the north. Um, you go south, southeast, you're going to get into more of the um, more compact suburbs of Chicago, uh, Crystal Lake, Algonquin, like that. Uh, but to the north, northwest particularly, yes, it's agricultural. Uh, Slightly to the northeast is Wonder Lake, which uh, used to be, still is to a degree, a vacation getaway spot for Chicagoans. Uh, Now it tends to be more like the houses along the lake are more all season and and people live there the entire year round. But it's still uh, got a little bit of that feel to it. And it's one of the few centers of population such as they are north of the city. How far are you from Chicago? Well, I don't know what the distance is. Uh, it's probably a two-hour drive-ish, depending on traffic, of course. could be a six-hour drive on a bad day. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it, it, we're on the far outside. We're probably right on the edge of being called a suburb of Chicago. So we're, we still have a little space between us and surrounding communities. But we're, if it continues to grow, we'd be the next ones to be sort of assimilated into the Chicago complex. You have quite a few commuters that go back and forth? A fair number, yeah. And uh, that's an area that I think the city wouldn't mind seeing 
develop it a little bit more, get those uh, millennials and other young folks that, that want to settle in a place but not necessarily... They would like to be part of Chicago without actually having to live in Chicago. So. Your town square is very charming. The little the little shops yeah. in the in the farmers market today, Tuesdays and Saturdays, I think. Tuesdays and Saturdays, yeah. It's uh, live it look, music. It looks like award winning. A beautiful area to raise a family. Yeah, it's got it, it's got a lot of the best of both kind of things because it it is still has that small townish kind of feel to it, and you know, uh, got a lot of historic buildings and and history, but. It's close enough to Chicago. If you want to go to Chicago, it's not a not hard. If you want to go to Milwaukee, it's not hard. They're both about the same distance away. So you got two big cities nearby, and most of the amenities are available. You know, if you want to go to the big box stores and things like that, we have a couple here. But you can easily get down to Crystal Lake and Algonquin and and do whatever you want to do down there. Uh, but you can still go to the square and shop at the little uh, boutique places, and you know hardware stores that have been there for 50 years and, and all of that sort of thing. So it is a nice place to, to raise a family. It's got a really good mix of old and new, I guess you would say. Good. I think that gives the listeners an idea about what Woodstock is about. Um, I was wondering uh, about your library career. Why did you uh, choose to work in libraries? Maybe you could talk about that and then uh, uh, get into uh, Woodstock Library specifically. Um, how long you've been here, why you chose library management, those sorts of questions. That's a long story, potentially, John. <laughs> Good. Uh, well, I got into libraries somewhat after the fact, because I went to college with an interest in psychology and actually got my bachelor's degree in that. Graduated with that and realized shortly thereafter that you can't do anything with a BA in psychology, you know, other than work at a group home or something, which is okay and I did but it wasn't what I wanted to do with the rest of my life and I started to think about other options and uh, always had a fascination with history and with libraries and UW-Milwaukee which is where I got my psychology degree happens to have a library school and they happen to have an archive specialization within that library school and I just thought that would be an interesting way to go and, and it was and uh, so I started back to school, got my master's degree in library and information sciences with a, with a speciality in archives and records management, and uh, worked at UW-Milwaukee for a little while, briefly went out to California on an archives gig, uh, that was about two years, two and a half, then came back because we were just talking about nice places to raise a family, and this was in Los Angeles, and, and my wife and I... Uh, just like now this is not the place to raise and, and we just had our first child so we came back and then I got a job down at UW Parkside which is in the Racine Kenosha area of Wisconsin uh, I was the university archivist there so I was doing archives and records management but it was a small enough place that I, it also meant I was a reference librarian which was fine I enjoy reference librarianship uh, but eventually I got to the point where I mean one of the draws to libraries and librarianship for me was, I'm a generalist. I like learning about all different kinds of things, and I think that's a relatively common trait among librarians is we don't want to specialize. We, you know, I found as I got further and further into psychology, as an example, that I had to specialize more and more and more, and so I, I, sure, I'd be deeply informed and understand this particular aspect, physiological psychology or whatever it might happen to be, but I would be then totally out of touch with all of the rest of it, and that didn't appeal. I, I liked 
the broader aspects of things, I guess. So, um, and that was starting to happen at UW Parkside because as an academic institution, there's a definite rhythm to the whole thing because the new kids come in and they go in, the classes tend to remain fairly static because the professors, are. it changes every now and again, but you know, fairly static. So you get the same kids coming in for the same assignments, doing the same kind of research. And then you'd get to know some of them because we'd have student workers in the archives and in the library, and then two, three years later they're gone because they, they graduated. And it just was, it got kind of stale, I guess would be the best way of putting it. I lost some of the appeal that libraries had for me in the first place. So that's when I started looking around and um, hadn't when I went and got my degree intended to go into management, but uh, you know, kind of wound up doing that at the archives anyway. And to my surprise, I was reasonably good at it. Uh, there was an opening at the McGuanago Public Library, actually McGuanago Community Library in McGuanago, Wisconsin, and they hired me there as the new director. And that was a lot of fun learning curve there too as well but uh, good good way and the main thing there the biggest project there was they they had a small about 20 no sorry 12,000 square foot building um, that had been there for a long time and the community had grown significantly since then and they needed a new building but they also needed to fundraise because the village was willing to spend upwards to three three and a half million but the building was probably going to cost closer to five that they wanted to build, so we, we managed to, through a variety of fundraising efforts and private donations, uh, raise that difference, convince this village to go ahead with it, and, and we got a new library out of it, which was, uh, well, if you had the fundraising, the whole thing was probably a three-year-plus project. The actual construction was probably six months. It went relatively quickly once we got going with it. Um, but yeah, I wound up with a 20... 5,000 square foot, it was just over half, or just over double. So, double deer. Yeah, it was considerably larger. Or maybe it was just under, it might have been 22,000, lose track now. But anyway, significantly larger, brand new, uh, a lot of the amenities and, and uh, things that people expect out of a 20th, 21st, late 20th, 21st century library. I mean, the old building had inadequate uh, electrical supplies, and much less to say no you know, inherent digital of it, you know, there were no network drops anywhere in the building. That wasn't a thing when that building was originally built. So we upgraded all of that and, and you know, brought it into the early 21st century. Uh, and it was, it was great. It was a beautiful building, but I, I, the reason I wound up down in Woodstock was that McGowanago, for all of its charms, was a very homogenous place. Uh, and again, it kind of wound up getting a lot of the same things from the same people um, and I just wanted to explore something in a more diverse community, a few more uh, ways to go about reaching out to the community. And so the Woodstock job came along, and Woodstock was just about ideal because it was half again as big as McGuanago, far more diverse. I mean, a quarter of our population is Hispanic, um, and that, that population isn't getting smaller. If anything, it might be growing a little bit faster than the, the white population interesting mix of long-time residents that have been here four or even five generations but then there's a the newer influx of, of younger folks that see it as like we talked about a little bit earlier it's a nice you know sort of charming place to live and and spend time but still provide access to Chicago and some of the fun things and actually 
not something I participate in, but Woodstock apparently has a relatively vibrant nightlife. So yeah, right. go figure. But yeah, there's a number of places where there's live bands on the weekends, and uh, yeah, it's not something I do, but I hear about it, so kind of interesting. We love the music in the square this morning, the live music. It reminds, mm -hmm. I mean, maybe had a little Austin flair to it. Mm -hmm. It was mm -hmm. fun. It was yeah, and that's fun. another place where the, the square gets used pretty regularly, not just for the farmer's market, but there'll be festivals and, and uh, events and things. That pretty mo Most weekends there's something going on in the square, whether it's music or arts. or There's a fairly vibrant arts community in Woodstock as well. But anyway, so I got the position here, uh, which was great, and I started about five years ago. Actually, this is just about five and a half now, and uh, it it was what I was hoping it would be, which is you know it has a lot of the things that appeal to me about Maguanago and that library, but it also broadens the scope a bit. It's a larger population base, a more diverse population base. There's more opportunities to do things out in the community just because it's a larger community. So it's been a good run. It's been been a lot of fun for five and a half years here. We uh, have a beautiful building. You do have a beautiful building. It's showing some of its age a little bit. Uh, so that's one of the things that, that has been a challenge since I got here is, is just keeping the building. You know, it looks great, uh, but under this under you know behind the scenes kind of thing, you got to make sure that the air handlers are working and and all of these things. So that's one of the areas I think they hired me for because I had experience with that previously with the building project in Iguanago and stuff is like you know the programs the events the books all of that stuff is the thing that people think about and that's critical to the success of a library but you also have to make sure the facilities are up to speed and uh, so that's one of the things that I've been invested in quite a bit here is getting getting the things taken care of that needed taken care of. What uh, year was the current building uh, constructed? It's, when was it built? it's in two pieces. The the older part, which is an up down part, is actually where we're sitting, uh, was built in 1987, and at the time that was the new part. Obviously, uh, the original building was 1950s, and then uh, they outgrew that building, and in the late 90s, had a push to to expand yet again, do something more, and so the main portion of the building, the, the whole building, is about. 43,000 square feet, and uh, I forget the exact split, but at least probably 33 of that, 33,000 square feet, is on the main floor, and that was started in 1999, finished in 2000, so it's 18 years old at this point. Um, and it's a beautiful building, it's got a prairie style architectural uh, feel to it throughout. Um, you know, real nice lines and, and, and a lot of windows, which is fabulous. But it just, you know, it, it's hitting that age where things start to wear out just because the library gets a ton of use. So the chairs get a ton of use and, you know, got to air condition it and heat it and all of these different things. I was reading on your website, I noticed you had your 125th yeah. celebration in, uh, a couple years ago? Two years ago. Two years ago. Yeah. You have a special, did you do some special, special We did, we had kind that? of a year-long thing. And, and, I mean, we didn't do something every day or even every week. We tried to do roughly speaking something every month so we had birthday party on the I, there were several days that we probably could have picked for our actual founding day because uh, the way it worked out there were two private libraries where you actually had to pay to be members and stuff back in the uh, late 1800s so 1887 and then 1890 I think and then 
around 1890, people started to say it started to become a thing to have these public libraries, publicly funded libraries. That was kind of a novel concept even back then. And uh, so in 1891, the city council took on that role of funding the library, and I forget how much, they, I think we got 500 bucks or something like which wasn't bad at that time, I suppose. Um, so in March of that year, 1891, was when the city sort of formally adopted the library or accepted the library. So that's where we trace our actual founding from. Um, but there are other places around and about that impacted us. We saw the, uh, when we were loading out this morning, we saw the rails, uh, the rails van, do they, they deliver and the, the books, is that what one of the services they provide? Yeah. Um, Rails is reaching across Illinois library systems. There are two big consortium, well, three if you count Chicago. Chicago is its own animal, so it has its own library system and its own delivery system. And then outside of Chicago, uh, there's two others. Rails, which is roughly the north half of the state, and Heartland, which is roughly the south half of the state. Um, and they coordinate library services for those parts of the state, basically. And one of the things they provide is uh, transfer of books from library to library. You know, as people request them in one place, and they need to be moved from the other place, and vice versa. Um, so that, that's one of their principal roles. We're also part of a consortium, so that's like a smaller subset of the library system. So the system is this big, like half the state, hundreds of libraries, and then we're in this consortium, which is a much smaller group of, we're just eight, there's only eight of us, and, and we're geographically relatively close, McHenry, Boone, and, and uh, eastern Winnebago County of northern Illinois. And we share amongst ourselves, so ideally somebody comes in and there's a book that they want that's not at Woodstock, it's at one of the other libraries in our consortium, then we, we get it from them and the turnaround is a, a day or two usually, so it's a fast turnaround. And then if we have to go outside of that because nobody in our little consortium has it, then you know, it might be a little bit longer and Rails is the agent that coordinates that as well. So um, they, they provide the, the van service, the transfer service is uh, one of those backbones to things that doesn't get a lot of publicity or, or most people aren't even aware of, but make libraries so much more valuable than they would be otherwise. Because effectively you've got access to practically any book and the state on fairly short notice and, and even you can go out and the rails wouldn't necessarily do this but we can get materials from all over the country and even outside of the country so it's uh, it's amazing it's one of the nice things about libraries is we share with each other without even hardly thinking about it most times uh, but that's developed over years and years which is cool You're, um, how many people work here? there's 23 employees 11 of which are full-time and the rest of which are part-time. I think the FTE is currently right around 19. 19. Um, so it's a, for the size of the building, it's actually a fairly small staff. Um, and ideally, now that the economy is starting to tick back up, I'm hopeful that maybe we can add uh, another person or two in the coming years because I, I really think we would benefit from having some additional staff because what winds up happening unfortunately is we we if somebody's sick somebody's on vacation then we just need people to cover the stuff that has to be done like reference desk circulation desk and like that and so the things that sometimes get 
put on the back burner that I wish weren't are, you know, let's come up with a cool new program or how can we make this better or, you know, what can we do to expand such and such. And, and some of that gets a little bit lost because we just have to make sure that the, the basics are covered. So I would like to expand us, like I said, at least a position, maybe even two, ideally, but we'll see how, oh, unfortunately, that's money-driven and budget-driven and that's always a, a contentious point. Sure. <laughs> do you have a... Do you have opportunities for community members to uh, volunteer? Do you have a friends group? What are some of those? We have both. Uh, we have a fairly active friends group. Uh, it's one of the things that I'm both excited and a little bit proud of because when I got here, friends group was a little bit static. Uh, same people doing wonderful things, but, you know, it, it's like I could tell that they were starting to burn out. So we were able to you know, work with them and, and with the community to, to get some new blood into that group and... Uh, expanded. It's been fun to watch them sort of the new folks come in and reinvigorate the people that have been doing it for a long time and do some new things. Uh, there's a group of poets in Woodstock, the Atrocious Poets, um, and and one of the Atrocious Poets has become a board member for the Friends, so now we've got this connection with the, you know, the poetry and literary community, so that's worn some fruit. Uh, so that's cool to see them expand a little bit, get a little stronger base. And then when I got here, we really we had volunteers, but it, there wasn't a lot of coordination. It wasn't real systematic. It was kind of like somebody came and volunteered, great, we'd find something for them to do, and you know, like that. But uh, so I were, that was one of the things I've been able to do, get one of our staff members to sort of take on the role of volunteer coordinator, and we expanded that considerably. A lot of it's the young people. We get high school students and even sometimes middle school students who love the library come in here a lot and then they, you know, they're, they're willing to volunteer to do, to help out. Uh, but it's also you get adults so that we have an actual training regimen and, and get them going on different things and, you know, schedule of things they need doing so it keeps in, them busy. In Green Bay, didn't they have the poets? They had a poet? They have a a book, a book the author, oh. author and book festival. Do you ever have like a poets festival or Not yet. reading? I mean, I wouldn't mind. Oh, that would no. be beautiful here We'd, in the square. And the atrocious poets, I think, just started roughly speaking about a year ago, but they're energetic as, as heck. They really want to make poetry accessible to people and not make it just this sort of you know, oh, well, you're a poet <laughs> kind of thing. So uh, they're very much about like. We, they collaborated with us on, on a program citywide, ideally, where we, you know, we're doing poetry at the veterans' home and we're doing poetry, you know, at uh, one of the factories here in town. You know, trying to find places that wouldn't typically have access to it or, or may think that they have no interest in and trying to make it more reachable and accessible to people. And that's one of the things that, that I think libraries have to do in general is just find ways to connect with their community um, and not just in the building you have to go outside the building that's always been back in McGuanago in here one of my key points if you want to say vision is to get the library out into the community I mean it's fabulous that we get people coming in here every day and we do and it's busy and but a lot of those are the same people and, and they love us and that's fabulous and I certainly don't want to discount that because that's the backbone of this community support but there's a lot of people out there that don't realize how much libraries do these days. We're not book warehouses. There's so much more you can do here than just come in and check out a book, you know. And so one of the ways that I 
try to and hope have some success with get that connection with people that aren't aware of what's going on here is to go outside of the building and try to make it visible in areas maybe that folks that don't come to the library will see and then go, oh, I didn't know the library did that, things like that. So you were talking about the farmer's market, and we're not doing it now because uh, timing, school's back in session, but during the summer, uh, our children's librarian goes to the farmer's market on Tuesday every week and has a start time right there on the grass the farmers market loves it because it brings you know families in so should they give her a microphone and everything and she does her story time at the farmers market and the kids have fun and it's out you know so stuff like that uh, there's a number of festivals that the city does during the year and we're trying to make sure that we're present at those we call our pop-up libraries where you know technology today is amazing because you just get a hot spot so you're hooked together with just uh, the signal from a from cell phone towers but with that, we can actually log in real time to our catalog, so we can we can check books out. We can give people library cards that maybe didn't have them. You know, we can do most of what we do within this building right here for folks out there. So try to get the library out into the community in addition to bringing the community into the library. I think you that's seem, very important. Uh, you seem uh, energized by this. Pers this is one of the ways that yep. maybe this uh, this uh, job, this uh, career, is personally rewarding <laughs> to you, uh, Nick. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I, you guys, I, I imagine, are library enthusiasts, otherwise you wouldn't be doing what you're doing here. But um, we, One of our main goals is lifelong learning. And when yeah. you talked about every, there seems to be a thread in your career of really continuing not only your own personal lifelong learning, but people that you become in contact with, that mm -hmm. lifelong learning thread. So it's a privilege to be here. Yeah. Well, and, and that's one of the many things that libraries can do is facilitate that lifelong learning. But, yeah, I, I, that is one of my driving force, one of my passions, I guess, is to try to get people aware that aren't aware. I mean, uh, one of the things we do here, we because Woodstock is the county seat, you know, all communities have some homeless population. It's just inevitable. It's going to happen, but I think Woodstock has a slightly higher level of homelessness relative to the size of the city than you would expect and a lot of it's because we're the county seat so a lot of the services that are there are here and consequently so are the people so we get a fair number of homeless people in the library and you know that's okay um, that's one of the things that libraries can do so not only just being a cooling warming shelter but give them a, a safe place that they can come to and then it doesn't always happen doesn't even happen the majority of the time, but it does happen that some of the folks that come in make use of the facility in other ways, and they, you know, they use our computers. They ask us how to help for resumes. How do you apply online for jobs? Stuff like that. And we've had a fair number of homeless individuals that have furthered their life in, in many cases. Well, some cases, you know, transform their life. No longer homeless because of some of what they were able to to get here. I noticed last evening when we were here, um, you did have resources, quite a few resources located for people. Um, there seemed to be health, health care resources, mm -hmm. um, and centered around needs, people's shelter, resources for shelter, yeah, food, yeah. basic needs, basic, basic needs. needs, yeah. And yeah. what what was very beautiful about this building, there's almost a church cathedral like <laughs> entryway when you walk in, and it yeah. it sort of has that historical connection to bringing the community into a place of vulnerability 
in strength, and so you kind of walk yeah. in. It's a beautiful building, oh, amazingly you. beautiful. Yeah. So yeah, uh, yeah. We we want to make the library welcoming. We want to make the library a safe place, a uh, place where doesn't matter white black hispanic rich poor old young doesn't make any difference male female you know whatever everybody should be welcome at the library everybody should be able to find resources that are both helpful and uh, appealing at the library so that's that's one of the things one of the goals uh, that we have and then also like i said to make that awareness more publicly visible outside of the library as well. This is John Robin Boyles of Celebrate Libraries. You've been listening to the first in a two-part conversation with Library Director Nick Weber of Woodstock Public Library in Woodstock, Illinois. Please enjoy part two as well.